Hey listeners, welcome to SphereCast, a podcast all about technology, technology advice, technology inspiration, and how real entrepreneurs have used technology to build their businesses from the ground up. If you're wondering how technology can support your business goals, rest assured, our guests have been there and done that. Rows and columns, numbers and characters. When Excel was first born in 1987, I doubt the creators knew that they were literally forming the language of finance. A language that, in its most basic form, drives the accounting departments for the world's businesses. But, eventually, a growing business needs a little bit more than Excel spreadsheet. Right? Hey, it's Luke Snager from SphereCast. And this week, Branislav and David of the Sphere Partners crew interviewed Dot Haynes an expert consultant in domestic and international finance and accounting. Prior to his current run as a consultant, Dodd was the chief financial officer for three multinational companies, Muzak, ACN, and Mood Media. Each of these three companies operate in very distinct industries, giving Haynes a depth of business knowledge held by few others. Dodd holds degrees from esteemed Duke University and the University of North Carolina at Chapel Hill. Though Haynes holds international accounting experience across a diversity of industries, he observed one unique truth. Regardless of location or vertical, the language of finance is same. Rows and columns, numbers and characters. However, though the language is the same, complex organizations often require more than Excel to keep track of finances. On the podcast, Dodd discusses the importance of having one shared financial platform with a seamless integration and rollout and shares a story of a time when the rollout was far less than perfect. So, without further ado, we hope you enjoy our conversation with Dodd Haynes. Hi Dodd. Um, Morning David, how are you? Great, thank you. Hi from London. Uh, Very great to have you here um, on SphereCast. Uh, With us is also Branislav, which is um, Head of Strategy uh, Development in the in Sphere, in Sphere Partners. Um, I would uh, like to, we invited you here so that we can ask you a little bit about, you know, your, your journey and your experience with solving business problems uh, using technology. But before we get into the um, more, let's say, technical stuff, I would like to um, hear a little bit more about your, your journey of becoming a CFO of a large multinational corporate, if you can tell us a little bit about that. Certainly, David and Branislav, thanks so much, and it's good to be here. Um, you know, like many CFOs, I started in the public accounting world many years ago at, at a large firm, Pricewaterhouse. Most of you may know them. They, they now go by the name PwC. And, um, you know, I was doing basically audit-related uh, work that eventually changed into inbound capital deployment by European companies looking to invest in the U.S. economy. And it was a transaction support slash integration slash due diligence type of role with uh, companies looking to invest and in, in, in purchase U.S.-based companies uh, to grow their international market share. So, so a little bit, un- little bit of maybe reverse of what most people think where a U.S.-based company would be acquiring things overseas. I was really handling the transactions for inbound um, European, predominantly U.K.-based firms. And um, that really gave me a great segue into understanding 
how those businesses look at at, at a U.S. business, and, and remarkably, they were quite similar from looking at cash flow and EBITDA and revenue growth. And um, you know, I think what struck me early on in my journey was the commonality of the business practices around the Western world that, that, that I'm familiar with, and and some of those concepts are. are were true then and are still true today. Um, after I left Pricewaterhouse, I went through a variety of global companies looking for, uh, you know, running other operations and a finance role. Um, you know, usually you start as a controller or a divisional controller. I spent a number of years in a U.S. retailer uh, with an 8,000 store footprint, which was fascinating to be in something that, that was that large. In uh, a Fortune 500 uh, company, but then settled in the opportunity in the music industry and in the company that David, you and I worked for, and uh, enjoyed that. It was certainly middle market, which is very different than large market. Uh, middle market to me means you have more control over the decisions. You know everybody that is a decision maker, and the hierarchical organization of these large multinational companies isn't quite as strict, uh, you know, uh, and, and you get to, to build great personal relationships with your teams, which, which in my two and a half years in, in the London office really gave me that opportunity as well. And, and uh, from both a personal and a professional way, it's very satisfying. Satisfact- There's a lot of satisfaction in knowing the teams that you work with uh, and, and getting to know the customs and their background. So I certainly enjoyed that. Uh, I certainly hope my international journey is not over, uh, although COVID has certainly put a damp on my wings. But I, I'm now on the wait list in the U.S. for a uh, for a shot. So I'm hopefully going to get my vaccine in the next week or two here in the uh, East Coast of the U.S. We hope so, too. And uh, we're all looking for that um, vaccination to help us get back into um, something, a new normal. Um, so clearly you had um, a, a plethora of experience uh, before you joined uh, Muzak, uh, working in different industries and in different roles within the financial organization. Um, so once you moved from being the CFO of, of, of Muzak, of the national um, and, and, the, and the Mood US um, uh, division, uh, mm-hmm. You moved. You became the CFO of the international uh, organization. And what I would like to know uh, on that move: uh, what surprised you, and and what uh, what didn't when you assumed that new role? Sure, that's a great that's a great question. And and maybe I'll start with what didn't surprise me, and um, and it was the complete understanding, thorough understanding wherever wherever I went, and whether that. Uh, in both my finance and operating roles of the under basic understanding of, of business and the principles of business uh, that are prevalent. Uh, and whether it be in, in you know, the U.S. or the U.K. or South America uh, or, or Eastern Europe, you know, uh, everyone seems to understand EBITDA, cash flow, capital investment, uh, revenue growth, uh, technology. So the commonality of that business language seemed to be global and globally accepted. So, and, and that didn't surprise me. I had seen that earlier in my, my years at Pricewaterhouse. Um, but, you know, it's pleasant to know that, that we all understand the fundamentals of business. And there's really not much of a disagreement in what we're trying to do. 
I think what did surprise me, and in this being an American, sort of in a European role, were the differences in culture within the European countries. Uh, a little bit of it is labor protection uh, between countries and, and moving processes between countries. Um, but that even though the Europeans are in a, in a common market, uh, and at that time the, the UK was in that, there were major differences in the cultural parts of the offices. Uh, some of that's driven by labor rules and some of that's just driven by business practices. So those differences I found were, uh, you know, a bit more surprising. I, I somehow maybe thought with a common cur currency, all of those rules would be would be uh, much more common. But the labor rules, the accounting rules, the reporting rules, the certification rules, the tax rules were all different by country. And thus really creating a much more complicated environment and one that the systems and the technology were really important to uh, to operate in so many op in so many different countries. I think we had operations in 15 countries in Europe um, at, at one point in time and, and operating those efficiency efficiently uh, with our scale was really the challenge. And a lot of that was, again, the business practices that you had uh, by country. So I, I, that, that to me would be the, the more challenging of the, the biggest surprise that I had. So since you were working with uh, different finance directors in different countries and they had their own uh, reporting mechanisms and reporting systems and ERPs, um, how did you end up uh, um, looking at the entire, let's say, Mood International uh, finance picture? And what, what, what were the challenges and how did you use the technology um, to overcome those challenges? Sure. And, and you know, the, 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 that's a great question, David. And, and in a very simplistic way, the most common tool that we used, and, and no one ever really talks about that, but are the basics of Excel and however you prepare data and send it. And, and somewhat, it's the very, the most unsophisticated tool that we all use, but we all are using some form of rows and columns in our business operations. So even if you're not on the same systems, sometimes the, the very, the, the how do you get it done, sometimes is rows and columns and, and, and numbers and, 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 and characters. Um, that's certainly not perhaps what a company selling technology skills wants to, to hear, but when you, when you don't have common platforms, you basically resort to how do I submit data in a way that I can do things. And a lot of it is basic pivot tables, um, you know, formulas. And, and we all want to think everything is automatic and uploaded and daily. But in reality, a lot of the basics for companies that are struggling with technology starts with putting everything on a common Excel spreadsheet and sharing that format amongst everybody and figuring out a way to get it done. And, you know, as a underfunded multinational, our basic structure was driven by form submission in a very simplistic and, and unfortunately uh, not efficient way to do that. Um, that doesn't help when you're trying to build global customers. And, and I think that's where the technology becomes certainly more, more essential, both from the back office support 
and from the customer facing interface. And, um, you know, we were moving at Mood in our technology to a single platform. We first started domestically when we had two companies that merged into one platform. Um, and then ultimately over time, we were moving that platform globally because that's the only way to more efficiently run lots of operations is to have a common platform. Uh, but the, the guerrilla warfare starts with Excel uh, and emails and, and Zoom calls. Tell us more about your experience of uh, migration or implementation of new accounting or ERP system that you just mentioned. Yes, Braswell, that's a great question. And and really the, the, the biggest challenge that we ran into was when we integrated the two larger U.S.-based operations. One was using a very antiquated proprietary software program that had been functionally working very well for, for many years. Um, and the other one was using a more state-of-the-art you know, global platform. It was Oracle. And of course, when, you, when you're integrating two companies, you, you go with the more sophisticated, more widely accepted uh, platform, which is what we moved the company that I was most familiar with um, from, from a homegrown system into an Oracle platform. And that, that process domestically took about a year to do from all the implementation sessions and, 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 and understandings. Um, it's a very complicated process. Uh, and, and the learning that I got from that process, and, and again, remember, I, you know, I was on the finance side, but it does reach sales, it reaches operations, it reaches call support. Um, there's so many other parts. Um, the example that, that I ran into is that the project manager for the, for the implementation started with the side of the business that had the more sophisticated platform. And the project manager was, of course, an Oracle expert and, and did a great job on the implementation. But the more sophisticated parts of the business were on the legacy side of the business that was being converted to Oracle. And it had a number of unique business arrangements that, that had some very complicated accounting patterns. And candidly, I don't think we educated the Oracle project manager well enough on the sophisticated, complex revenue sharing that we had on the other side of the business that was being integrated into Oracle. And the, the failings that we had were post-go-live when we started reconciling accounts with some of our business partners, we realized that that functionality didn't transfer from the legacy platform to the Oracle platform probably because the project manager came from the newer platform and the simpler business model. And without that complexity coded in, about six months into the implementation, we had a heck of a problem that took another year to untangle, um, you know, where, where things were not being distributed amongst our, our affiliates or franchisees uh, according to the agreements. And it was because they were very complicated revenue sharing agreements uh, that that weren't taken into enough consideration during the implementation time. So the, the learning, Brasilal, that I had was that you do need the technical expertise of the team uh, to make this work. 
but you also need to make sure that the team leads understand the most complicated parts of the transactions. And in this case, I think it got complicated and, and figuratively swept under the carpet, something that would figure out later. And in reality, the later eventually hits you when you go live, uh, not the first month, maybe the second month, and maybe the third and fourth month, you realize something's not working right. So that, that was my experience. Now, then taking that, that Oracle platform and moving it globally um, was the next step in this logical process. And it, it had its complications as well. The businesses were much more simple in terms of their operation, but you still had all sorts of global revenue arrangements to account for and intercompany transactions to account for. And while people want to think about all of the, the fun stuff, accounting for all of that intercompany revenue and intercompany clearing and, and cash is much more complicated than most people care to think about. And it's only the people that are on the implementation teams or in the accounting trenches that really ever care about that. And, and a good implementation is, is one or lost there in those details. So you mentioned um, a project manager from, from within the company that was in charge of doing the domestic migration. Right. When you went for the international consolidation, did you consider using a third-party integration specialist uh, to, to project manage and to, and, you know, to do the analysis and, and uh, to create the implementation plan, or did you uh, still use internal resources? And, uh, and, and why was that choice? I think from the experience of the challenges of the domestic integration, when we went international, we used an integrating partner to help us with that. Uh, you know, I think it's just beyond the scope of most small to medium-sized businesses to have that much of a team in place to successfully pull off that migration. The, the, the teams are candidly operating a system and implementing a system at the same time. You, you, you have to have some dedicated employees, but in reality, I think to be successful, you do need a third party to provide that bench strength to get it done. Uh, because the other critical thing is you want it to go quickly. Because, uh, you know, while you're implementing it, people on the other side of that, the ones that are using the legacy systems, are all caught up in their job security issues. And what does it mean to me? And, and what does it mean to our customers? And, and, you know, I have specific needs in my specific country and how am I going to do this? So um, you, you want the implementations to be as fast as they can be. And, I, and I'm not saying this is a three-month implementation. These are all complicated things, but you don't want them to drag out over a period of years. You want them to be quick um, and you need to be decisive. But it's it, you know that it's going to take some time to do that, and to me, I think this having the right third-party assistance is a sure step to having a successful implementation. Thank you very much, Dodd, for everything that you shared so far. Um, just before we conclude, um, can you tell us, you know, how you would do it right? Like, what would the key takeaways for such an integration uh, and consolidation project would would be for you and for other CFOs down the road in other companies? The point on, on getting the implementation right is you do need to involve all aspects of the business. It's not just an accounting implementation, mm -hmm. and it's not just an operating. 
you know, you need heavy involvement of sales and customer facing people. You need back office people that really understand the complexities of how transactions are processed through the system. And, I, and you clearly need accounting slash finance assistance in that um, because without all of those teams actively involved, and of course you need the IT infrastructure to understand this mm-hmm. well and ultimately operating, operate the system. Without all of those teams heavily involved in the implementation, uh, and that's really from the upfront up through you know the testing processes, you're not going to have a you're not going to have the success that you're really looking for when you're doing a large project like this. A special thanks to our podcast guests this week, and once again to our sponsor, Sphere Partners, for bringing this episode to life. If you enjoyed this episode, drop SphereCast a five-star review on iTunes and share this content with your network. For any relevant links or notes from this episode, check out our podcast website at www.spheringc.com forward slash SphereCast. And always remember, when you think you can't, technology can. See you next time.